In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. Hey, everybody. My name's Trevor. And yes, I am wearing pants, and no, I'm not going to show you. I'm Mike Kitchen, and what is a plethora? I'm Gavin, and I've got a plethora of greetings available, and I'm not going to give you one now. I'm Troy, and uh, look, if there's a steady check, I'll believe anything. Damn you, Gavin! <laughs> So we're without Troy, at least for part of this this uh, this episode, um, and I think that's going to work. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, as usual, we're a collection of of idiots uh, who met and shared in college, um, who talk about these sort of things. I'm the idiot. I don't know what you guys are. I Clown resemble factory, that remark. Idiot factory. I don't know. Anyways, um, we discuss all things you know, geeky and nerdy, uh, movies, comics video games, all that sort of stuff. Uh, basically, we just waste your time for two hours. Nerds! Um, yeah. Nerds! Um, so I'm trying to be a little quiet because my kids are sleeping, but they can't hear me. They're asleep. Who cares? Um, now, normally we would talk about trailers, but were there any? Anyone? Bueller? Fry? It was something. I can't remember what it was. Troy uh, normally was that... does this. Troy's uh, in the middle of the night driving somewhere. What is it, Kevin? There, there was something, there was a Netflix thing with Elvira. I mean, she's 70 now. But she's damn still damn good. Um, so as a point of edit, which is a power that I possess at this particular time in the podcast, it is actually Cassandra Peterson, who is the one celebrating her 70th birthday, which has just recently happened. And yes, like the gentleman has mentioned, she is a fabulously looking woman, even in her 70s. It's the character of Elvira that also coincidentally has celebrations of her 40th anniversary. And that actually has included not only a memoir book that has been released, a, um, a, a Shudder has released a four-movie uh, marathon to their services uh, starring The Mistress of the Dark. And the Netflix show that uh, Gavin has uh, mentioned is Netflix and Chill, which is hosted by Elvira and uh, premieres every Sunday in October of this year. Um, she's, she, she ages well. Um, now, there was something um, about the Batman behind the scenes, uh, but I think this was actually not the Batman movie, but the, the, the upcoming Flash movie. It was a lot of stuff with the motorcycle, seeing it in action. Um, it was interesting. And but yeah, you can tell the Batman was like whoever the the stunt driver was was heavily armored up. So this is obviously not like a year one Batman. This is a much further down the road Batman. And I think this is the Batfleck Batman and not the Keaton Batman. So it was interesting. There's one thing that happened on Facebook where Eric Larson was talking about the unpopular Batman opinion that Batman suit should be basic tights, no armor, no protective gear. Um, and any bad actor, except for what Adam S would tell you that they could barely move in bat armor. Um, the bat cave should be almost empty and the bat family is way too big. And that Frank Miller and David Muscelli got it right in Batman year one. And I agree with that. Um, 
again, we've said this in previous podcasts. I think that the Batman Dead End Batman is probably one of the best Batmans that has ever been put to film. And that was just a dude in basic tights. And I don't know why they could not figure that out for this movie. I, I mean, for all of the movies, like I, I, I firmly believe Black Batman should be, you know, he didn't train wearing body armor or, or Kevlar and all this extra stuff. And the only time he, like in the comics, he would kind of gear up is when he was anticipating a, a bigger than normal fight. And the only body armor he had was his logo. That's where he expected people to shoot. Yeah. Other than his, his belt full of, of gadgets, you know, he might have some curb stomping boots on and, and maybe a little bit of extra, you know, maybe some knuckles in his, his gloves. But other than that, he's just wearing silk or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever tights he's wearing. Yeah. Just so yeah. that he's mobile. That's and that's one thing Eric Larson was talking about is you, he should be using the cape like a matador cape, right? Yeah. The whole idea is you're using that because you don't know where he is. So you're shooting in the shadows. Yeah. And he uses it to obscure know. the fact that a kick is about to, you know, crash into your, your sternum and, and, and break your, your pelvis or something. Yeah. So, and, but we're not seeing that in any of these Batman films. He's always like just armored to the goddamn teeth. Yeah. The, uh, the best Batman so far for, the non-Batman armored, and unfortunately, this is pretty much the only example, is basically the animated series Batman. Yep. You know, when he gets when he gets cut up, it's like you know his suit gets ripped up, torn up, and you see blood. And I mean, it's fabric. I mean, maybe it's tougher. Maybe it, I don't know. It's made of like like jeans material or something. Um, yeah. Like, even the, even the comic books though still had some sort of um, it's uh, it's comic book. Kevlar so like you know it was it was form fitting to the muscles uh, sure okay maybe it couldn't stop like uh like, like a magnum or something like that but I mean you know it was it was comic book plot armor you know yeah they were able yeah. to sort of work with that and give some reason why you know he was able to avoid getting shot directly in the chest or something to that effect so it, the, this yeah I mean we all remember you know Michael Keaton in the in the in the bat suit you know like 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 looking up, his whole his whole back has to lean backwards. Yeah. You know, he's he's at a he's he's at a two hundred and seventy degree angle just yeah. to look up. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was me personally. For you know, from year one up until the point where Bruce Wayne's getting older and starts to lose that edge and speed, I would see. I mean, in in my mind, I would see him wearing you know, almost like as minimal costume as possible in terms of weight so that he has that speed advantage. He can make use of his, you know, incredible skills. Once he starts reaching a point where, you know, age is starting to catch up, injuries are starting to catch up, I could see him using maybe a little bit more armor, um, maybe a little bit of maybe mechanical um, uh, kind of assistance for some things. And by the time that he's a much older man, like the Batman Beyond, when he finally says he has to hang up the, the cape and cowl, that's where he's in a fully articulated suit. But even then, it can't overcome the effects of age. And that's when he finally realizes, all right, I got to put this aside. And that's when you get Terry McGinnis and blah, blah, blah. To me, that's the logical progression of Batman. Not year one, he's wearing a leather jacket and jeans. By year two, he's in like full Kevlar, you know, articulated tactical armor and it just, you know, he's already got be... the T-Rex in the back cave. At that yeah. Point. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the cave full of props that should be over like a 25 to 30 year career as Batman. Like when he finally hangs up the Cape and cowl and says, I can't do this anymore. And you pull back and then you see the wide range of 
all the, the, the various, you know, trophies and you see the giant bat computer and all the other stuff. But, you know, in the first 10 years, he probably, you know, just got a couple of work tables down there, maybe a laptop. That, that's what I did like about the bat fleck from uh, Batman versus Superman. Like that, that scene where you see him with the, uh, uh, he's in the bat, in the bat cave and you see him walk past the, the Robin outfit. Mm-hmm. At, at the very least, you knew he's been he he's been around for a while. He's he's been doing things. He's been he's suffered losses. When so, we do the Batman episode, pick you know having to defend a Batman, I've got a whole bunch to say about that. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um. So I, was that our only real trailer? Like those? Uh. I, yeah, I think that was the only real one. I think. Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of trailers this week just because there was a bunch of other stuff. Um. So. Things that did come out, uh, what if, the second to last episode, <laughs> and that was an episode. Oh, man. oh my God. That was, I mean, they, they teased it with the end of the Thor, Party Thor, where we yeah. saw the, the Vision Ultron with, you know, with the armor, with the integrated Infinity Stones. And I, I mean, I was thinking, okay, it was just going to be a quick, maybe we'd see it in season two, but oh no, they, they paid off in spades. Um, they... Did they ever they really paid off in spades? Um, I gotta say another thing with this episode again, a better Black Widow than the Black Widow movie. <laughs> I I don't understand why these guys are writing these shows are able to do such a great Black Widow, but the entire movie we didn't get any of that charm out of the character. So that made yeah, me it, sad, but it was good to see a proper Black Widow Hawkeye team up and again going up against. Ultron, the way they did, was amazing. That was my favorite part of the episode. I uh, I, I I called it right at the end uh, for the for the previous uh, our previous episode when I said oh, that's basically the Vision body just just without the Vision in it. Uh, Ultron gets the, the gets the the synthesoid body that he he wanted. Yeah. Um. So here's the the, the plot synopsis of what they do in IMDb it says. Natasha Romanoff and Cliff Barton seek to destroy a killer robot Ultron following a cataclysmic event, which is, they could have just said two people do stuff and things happen. Um, <laughs> for the, a, a better explanation is Ultron having taken the Mind Stone and Vision's vibranium body has defeated the Avengers and has launched a global nuclear holocaust, killing most of humanity. And then from that point, the episode just steamrolls like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, as, as Mike said, the Black Widow fights were amazing in this film, like in this this episode. Why can't they do that in the films? Yeah. Like, like, like write that, that she, I mean, she's that level of competent in combat. Show it in her damn films. Don't, don't, ugh. So, yeah, I, I mean, I have to say there were quite a few moments of like, oh my God, watching this episode. Like when, you know, Ultron's taken over, and then we see the cloud of here, here, here comes my boy Thanos comes walking through, and Ultron looks at him and goes interesting, and then uses the the laser from the Mind Stone and just chops him into two vertically, and yep. just the two halves kind of you know tilt down and fall, and then he collects the stones from half the corpse, and it makes you wonder why didn't he do that in Infinity oh. War? It's like, dude, you should have done that. He wasn't in the fight. Like, like they didn't meet up with Thanos until the end. By that point, 
you know, he'd already been beaten up a couple times. He'd been stabbed a few times. He was probably, uh, you know, not quite on his A game. Also, Ultron is a lot more bloodthirsty than Vision. Like, like Jarvis as, as Vision, I think Ultron as Vision is just far more bloodthirsty. Like he's, he doesn't have that sense of, of remorse of like, oh, I killed you. I mean, it has the, ooh, ooh, that'll, you'll be fine. But he, there's no hesitation there. And that is, you know. I was pragmatic Ultron at its fine, his finest. Oh, an 100%. obstacle. I'll eliminate it. And then when he, you know, after he killed just about everything he could, and he notices the Watcher. That was an amazing moment. Oh, that just, oh. And the fact that he's like, who said that? And, and the Watcher's still talking in. And and I, you're almost like the watcher's like, oh, oh, wait a second, oh, sh- oh, sh-. and then he quickly closes that dimension down. Yeah, and then you think, all right, okay, and then Ultron breaks through into that space between the multiverse, and said, here you are. Yeah, I, I was, I, I was watching. I was like, you know, I paid for the whole couch, <laughs> but I only needed the edge of the seat because that's all I was sitting on at that yeah. point. Like, holy oh, crap! Oh, I was right there with you. I and I was like, this is this is going to be an episode of uh, that just you know it blows the others away, and it did for me. It did. This was just like, and the fact that they 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 went and found Zola. Yeah, I was just gonna say with Zola, like the fact that how are you gonna defeat an artificial intelligence? Well, let's get the other artificial intelligence to you know help defeat him. And the best part is it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't. Were, I mean, this was their this was their hail hail Mary, and it didn't work. And it was just like, oh my god, this is this is going so awesome. And at the very end, when he calls on the dark, you know, the dark sorcerer supreme, you know, the the, the strange supreme to to help him, that was uh. so. Uh, Troy, yes. Um, what if Thanos getting? What was your re- response to that? I thought, first of all, <laughs> the fact that there was a dumbfounded face look on Thanos' face when he stepped through the porthole and it just was a frozen image that all of a sudden, zzz, I thought that was, yeah. Oh, it was, <laughs> oh, mwah, that was, that was so good. That was such do, do, a fantastic do, do. episode. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> and, and because of course, yes. Ultron would be able to think that fast enough to realize what's going on and all that. And as soon as he walks through and like, he's working at such a rapid speed, Thanos is chopped, like sliced in half. And I love how he like poured right through the, uh, like melted right through the, the, the gauntlet and pulled out the, yeah. And now I see everything. And yeah. And then the watcher is the universe. And he's like, who's that talking? Yeah. Who is that? Who said that? Yeah. So yeah, I, and of course, we know where this goes, and we we have another okay. appearance of uh, Doctor yeah, Dark it, it, Strange. It, it, yeah. And the one thing that was really great about this too is that the Watcher really became a character in this one. Yeah. Whereas before he, finally... he was a narrator, but now he's like a legit character in the episode, and seeing him fight Ultron well, was the... amazing. When he when he uh, when he witnessed uh, Doctor Strange descend into uh, you know his, the darkest Strange possible, and at the end when he actually spoke to Strange, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, 
okay, so Strange can see him. So this is so he's willing to basically at least say, you know, this is your this is your mess. You know, sleep in it. Yeah. Uh, but seeing him actually like being forced to actually take part in this uh, against uh, Viz Ultron or, or I don't know Thanos Ultron or whatever you want to call him, uh, just. He, he, he puts on the, the armor and basically starts with, like fighting. Although I got to say, it's a little bit weird watching a guy with a head that's about like three times the size of a normal head, like dishing out punches and getting smacked in the noggin a few times. It was a giant target. <laughs> I can't remember my <laughs> piano lessons. Um, now, as, as a, a quick kind of spoiler. So for the, the, the last episode, episode nine, the cast, we have the Watcher, Peggy Carter, T'Challa, Peter Quill, Pepper Potts, Ultron, Ego, Shuri, Natasha Romanoff, Doctor Strange, Thor, Killmonger, and Bruce Banner. Make of that of what you will. So it sounds like it's going to be like an Infinity War 2. Hopefully some sort of continuation. Now, I did like the fact that in his universe, Ultron destroyed Ego. Like, he absorbed him. Yep. Like, and it was beautiful. You'd see that swarm of Ultrabot, uh, Ultron bots, and they would just destroy as he was like. This whole episode just had me on the edge. I said, on, on the edge of my seat the whole episode. I'm just like, oh look, there's there's Xandar. There was Xandar. There's Ego. Yeah. There was Ego. And the Ultron bots, the way he like snaps his fingers, and you just see the entire world light up with lights. It's like, oh snap! Literally, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is was... very telling though how much more. Uh, measured Thanos was with in sort of the the MCU uh, world, where all he does with it is get rid of half the population. That's, That's all. All he did, and then yeah. he destroyed the stones because it was temptation. Well, that, was his, that was his goal. He he met his his goal, and he was done. Ultron was just eliminating all the chaos in the universe by eliminating everything living. Well, to be fair, he did absorb the internet and then decided life, that humanity needed to be yeah. extinct. So, I mean, rightly so. A fair point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He probably stopped at Pornhub and went, they got to die. Um, <laughs> oh, 4chan. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, no. That's This has got to go. Yeah. So, I mean, I like the fact that he didn't just snap his fingers and, and obliviate everything, that he took the approach of using himself as the other bots to achieve his ends. Um, yeah, this was a glorious episode. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I am looking so forward to this Wednesday's episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What, it's going to be, it's going to be an episode and a half. Um, now do we have anything else to, uh, you know, any other shows that uh, came out? Anyone? I haven't watched any other TV shows except Naruto. I'm going to give that a plug. Not Naruto, Boruto, because that show has gone absolutely epic. Um, Naruto's gone into his Baryan mode. He's burning down the chakra of the nine-tailed beast, going against the ultimate villain, uh, the Otsutsuki, Ashiki. And all rumors are that the nine-tailed fox is going to die in a couple hours. Uh, What time is it now? I'm forget what time the episode's released, but the whole family's looking forward to that. Other than that, it's just been a couple movies. Um, <laughs> we saw Shang Chi and we saw Free Guy. 
So we never talked about those on the podcast yet. What do you guys think about those movies? I really enjoyed Free Guy. I really enjoyed it. It was it was just such a fun movie, and it was uh, it 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 was uh, the majority of video game movies just try to take the what the the story that made the video games what it was, and rewrite it to to, to suit their story or whatever it is. And I think what you meant to say it, is ruin it. Is that what yeah, you're? Yeah, yeah. They they ruin it. Yes. Uh, so I mean, case yeah. in point, um, the. Uh, do, do you recall the awful live action Street Fighter movie? I know. Oh, yes. I tried to. to wipe that out of they, my memory. They, 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 they effed up super bad on that because they tried to weave a story in and among uh, whatever was going on with the Shadow! Shadow! Mortal Kombat. Okay, the, the, uh, the PG rated one that uh, we saw back in 1992, 93. That was that was good because it actually followed the plot line in uh, in a way that actually made sense. So there was a tournament. Wait a second, you mean a fighting game tournament movie is having a tournament in the movie? Weird. So they they they, they 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 did it right. Uh, did you guys wait? Just because you were speaking about Street Fighter, do you guys ever watch Street Fighter Assassin's Fist on YouTube? That I've is one of to. the most epic things I've ever seen in my life. Um, here, let me try and see if I can bring this up because this is definitely worth sharing. Um, but it's the most video game accurate thing I've ever seen. And especially like you're talking about Street Fighter and how bad that movie was that they put out in the 90s. And these guys yeah, yeah. just got it right. Um, yeah, I, I, I did see this. Um, I think I had to, at the time, trying to watch it was the, the, the tough part. Yeah, and this is when I was able to watch with the family, and everybody got into it. And it's a whole bunch of little short webisodes, but the fact that they got the characters looking right, they got the costumes right, the whole vibe of the story is correct. And it's sort of like a prequel to the video game. So it's Street Fighter Alpha, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. So, and you know, if people haven't watched that, do yourself a favor and watch that because I think that is one of the best video game put to film that's ever been done. But back to Free Guy. Yeah, back to Free Guy. Yeah, I um, go ahead. I, w- I was just going to say the thing with Free Guy is uh, it was a video game movie, but because it was something entirely new, it didn't have to take the bits of something and kind of ruin it, ruin the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like just with the with, with the Van Damme Street Fighter movie, it's like, uh, oh, by the way, I'm E Honda, and I'm the camera guy. What the hell are you doing here? Oh, and I'm T Hawk. Okay, like yeah. just yeah, don't take the parts that you that you think are good and turn it in turn it into excrement. Take a story, and just make it your own. So Free Guy did exactly that. It took it took a a, a unique concept like an npc coming to life and ran with it i didn't know where it was going to go with it they took all those different ideas too like there's elements of sims in there there's definitely gta in there oh there was fortnite like crazy there's fortnite Um, there's gta there was saints row i mean they they and then the fact that 
they went as far as putting lightsabers in Captain America's shield. That's crazy. And then the YouTube commentators on top of that, like they took yeah. all these elements that are a part of the culture and just kind of turned into this glorious snowball of a movie and threw it at us. And it was good. Not to mention uh, when, when uh, we, you know, we complain about seeing all of the good scenes from a movie in, in the trailers, mm -hmm. there were twists in there that I did not see coming despite having seen some really good bits in the uh, from the trailers we talked about that in the podcast it's like we've seen this trailer i kind of feel like i saw the whole movie but then you see the movie it's like nope i didn't see the whole movie like yeah yeah i, I felt the same way i'm thinking oh i know this scene because this is what they set up for and then you see the little bit that you saw in the trailer and then so much more after you're like oh 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 that's okay they didn't show all the best scenes in the trailer thank god yeah. Yeah. um and then the yeah, payoff Go ahead. Go ahead. The the, the payoff for uh, basically it was like, why is this NBC becoming sentient? Why is he becoming this 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 person? This is the reason. It's like holy yeah. shit! This was not even hinted at in the trailers. Like, yeah. it wasn't even a like all you knew was that Tata Watiki was Tiki was just this douchebag game developer, and that was it. He's just trying to destroy it. Nothing else. Yeah, and yeah, he was and we, a beast in this movie, too. Like, I mean, he did a great job as Hitler, and he did a great job directing Ragnarok, but... Um, He's got some acting I, him, jobs. He definitely has some acting jobs. Yeah, it, 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 there wasn't honestly anybody in the, in the movie I, I, you know, was, like, unhappy with the, the performance. Um, and it, the editing was nice and tight. Like, they, the, the story kept moving. It didn't even when they got to what would be a considered a slow section on like, oh we're developing a character, they still kept the editing at a at a you know the pace didn't slow down so much that it got bogged down and, and then you're like oh god or can we get to the third act already yeah um it was great and I mean the runtime is what 115 minutes so just under two hours it didn't feel like you were you know sitting in your seat for two hours and I'll give them credit for this because this was movie number two of a double header at the drive-in. So we were sitting out until midnight, freezing our butts off because it got damn cold. So everyone's got their blankets. The kids have already seen this movie, but they wanted to stick it out because they liked it so much and wanted to see it a second time. So the fact that it kept all of us up past midnight to watch this movie in the cold. And one thing is the movie was shot in a way it works really well in the drive-in because it's bright, you can see things. One thing I was going to say about Shang-Chi is it was a very dark movie and it was really hard to see yeah there was a so, couple of like that the fight on the building yeah i was struck even in the theater i was like i can't make out a whole lot of stuff because you only really have the lights from like the giant neon sign on the other side of the wall and it's just like yeah did this fight really have to take place at midnight yeah and then comparing it to free guy it's like hey i can actually see this movie and i can enjoy the whole thing it was so much fun yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, it says right now, box office, it's taken 319. And I'm looking at all the more power to it. Like, this movie is successful because it's not just, oh, well, it's, you know, there's not a whole lot of movies coming out. The movie's successful because it's a good movie. It's it's an enjoyable mm -hmm. movie to watch. Um, I Ryan know Reynolds is great as that kind of fun, goofy character. Yeah, yeah. And Contrast, nice perfect. and difficult. Mm -hmm. Absolutely perfect. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed Free Guy. Um, and then we had Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. It was good. 
Um, I enjoyed the, the, the movie. There were things I wish they had done differently. Um, um, a lot of things I kind of wish they had done differently, but that's fine. That's fine. I mean, the problem is, is the Mandarin is a character who his op- main opponent in the comics was, was Iron Man. Yeah. And so this, they kind of took the Mandarin and Shang-Chi's dad of Fu Manchu from the comics and kind of melded it into a single character. I do like the backstory of that, you know, this guy has been around for thousands of years. Um, and when he met this woman, you know, Shang-Chi's mom, he was willing to give it all up, give up his criminal empire, everything. And then she was taken from him. And in his grief, he resumed the criminal empire with a vengeance. You know, it makes the the villain kind of a, you know, he's got some pathos to him. He's got a reason why he's doing what he's doing. It may not be correct, but he's just, he's doing it because this is what he believes in. You you understand his reasons. Yeah. And and you kind of understand his pain as well. Like, you know, he, he, if he hadn't have given up the 10 rings, he probably could have saved his wife in some way. Well, let me ask you guys a question. I don't, I didn't look up the history. Who's the wife supposed to be in this movie? Is she um, based on a character in the comics? I'm just trying to remember. Um, I don't think so. Cat, I got a cat who's desperately trying to jump up onto my lap every two damn seconds. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't do a quick research. I, I don't think she's has a. a Let's see, Wenwu's wife. Um, she makes her first appearance in Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, originally created for the MCU. Lee was later integrated into mainstream Marvel Universe as Jang Li, Shang-Chi's real mother in the Marvel comic books. But hmm. she wasn't, um, there wasn't like some mystical realm full of like God level martial artists. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more of like Iron Fist. Yeah, um, I was thinking was, it seemed a lot like Iron Fist the way they yeah, were. Shang Chi was more. Um, he Shang Chi was raised to be his father's um, bodyguard. Was was how he was originally set to be, um, and Fu Manchu. I mean, not the you know <laughs> the best of names and the and, and not the best of connotations. But yeah, he raised his, had his son raised and trained to be the ultimate martial artist, the ultimate bodyguard. Um, and he, you know, mastered Chi, like he had a, a dozens of trainers, not just Death Dealer, who was from the comic books, by the way. Um, but he, you know, he was supposed to, you know, his whole tagline was um, Master of Kung Fu. The hands of mm-hmm. Shang Chi, master of kung fu. He, he basically almost like he's the Batman of the of the Marvel universe in terms of martial arts skill. Like, just there's really no one above him when it comes to martial arts. Even though he wasn't superhuman, he could still take out superhuman opponents just through sheer skill. Um, and so there was no mystical realm or anything. That's again, as I said, that's more like the Iron Fist route. So I think when they did the film, they're like, well. We gotta explain how this guy can be so great at martial arts and 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 whatnot. And to me, that was part of the letdown of the character. Um, 
I like the rings as, you know, rings around the forearm. I still don't like those. I would have liked to seen them where he got them from. I mean, I know that's part of the mystery they that the cutscene that we don't know where they're from. They're sending a signal, mm-hmm. um, but I'd like to have seen them where whoever got them first, where he pulled them out of, like be it a crash ship or 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 something. Just something to kind of give a little bit of way of the origin without actually giving all of it away, so they can set something up for Shang Chi. Okay, so a question for you: Why do you like them as bracelets? Because then whatever he pulled them from wasn't the same size as a normal human. So if, they, if these rings fit on the forearm, imagine how big the being was that he pulled the ring, those rings off of off the fingers. Okay. How big are those fingers that those rings now fit on your forearm? Yeah. To me, that would have been like, so it was like a giant that he found. This crash ship had a giant in it. And he pulled the rings off and the, together they had a sort of power he could figure out how to wield. Because for and me, everyone's one, of, one of the things with the Mandarin is that the rings all had different powers and abilities, right? Yeah, each one, so, like one was disintegration and one was this and one was that. Yeah, and that reminds me a lot of the stuff that you see in anime. Again, I'll go back to Naruto. Like they always have these powers. All the shinobis have different powers that they can do. Like they can shoot fire, they can do disintegration, they can shoot ice, whatever it is. Like you're pulling from the chakra and delivering different types of nature powers through the chakra. And it would have been so fun to see this, but the rings didn't really do anything. I mean, they he throws them around and he kind of extends his punches, but it would have been so much fun to see more of that magical element to it. And it would tie so much into that sort of anime culture. You're so used to seeing characters perform that kind of magic that I was missing that from this movie. Yeah, I would, I, I would have liked to see each ring have its own like works in concert with the other rings, but then each ring individually has its own specific. Um, Cause I have the list here of what each one does. So we've got one has an ice blast. One does uh, increases the mental energy of the person, lightning, electro blast flame, a white light. So I don't know, flashlight, who knows uh, black light, kind of like the opposite, a disintegration beam, a vortex beam, an impact beam, kind of like a, long range punch and then a matter rearranger so my my only problem with the rings uh the finger rings is that in the marvel cinematic universe i mean we we've now established that the the audience is not just coming in there completely blind but there are some things that would be very difficult to kind of explain in the context in which they're introduced like having each ring do his thing without having some kind of, uh, I don't know, supposition about what each one does or like him visibly demonstrating what each one does. It's very hard to kind of convey that these rings can do all of these things. Mm -hmm. So I I do like the idea of it being sort of this all encompassing, you know, he can kind of like use them to create a a, a barrier or uh, extend his punches or basically whip them out and whatever he's doing. Gavin's to me, that always feels... wanted to whip it out. <laughs> well, except in that in front of those that busload of nuns. Uh, don't get me started on that one. Whip this out. But the thing is, is um, there's there's just a little too much to have to try to explain. Like with Iron Man, you know, you had the repulsor beams. You know, you, you kind of got the idea that okay, they help him fly, but oh, he can also use them to blast things apart. That's kind of cool. 
And so everything was mostly sort of a variation on repulsor beams or, you know, he added little mini missiles of things that people could kind of identify. Like, exactly. It's just something that you could, that they could, uh, they could instantly identify, but because the rings are just like, I'm going to disintegrate you with my ring, but I'm going to freeze you first with my other ring. <laughs> it, it, there's there's just a little too much to deal with. Do you think of... you'd have to explain it though? After Guardians of the Galaxy, after Doctor Strange, I think people well, are just like, yeah, rings with powers, cool. I buy it. Yeah, I, but I, like I, I, th I think it, I think it's a bit too complex to try and, and show like what you, each of these rings can do individually. Um, what I could see in in uh, Shang Chi two. Him's discovering that they have other abilities as well. Yeah, that's where I think it'll be make much more of a. Yes, uh, where it's see, just like a picture that shows it all. I do like <laughs> I do like the look of those rings over the the initial rings, which were which basically looked like pretty much like you know, you know, special decoder rings from a Happy Meal. <laughs> oh man, imagine the licensing! <laughs> they could have made some killer money if they did that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's other things like for the movie itself. Um, the some stuff that that I like the the whole arena that his sister had escaped as well, and she had this whole fight arena. That was a nice visual. The fight on the side of the building, again, as we mentioned earlier, just too dark. You couldn't. It was hard to tell what was going on. Um, I love Trevor Slattery coming back as a prisoner of the Mandarin. That was a nice touch. I like how they tried to redeem him there like and, as a character because he was so bad in iron man 3 his little companion of morris that was a nice little guy um and the fact that, that he that he the, the, regardless of how brave he is he's still a coward at heart and he oh, absolutely embraces that i love how he was acting dead that was probably my favorite moment for him in the entire movie where he's lying dead in the battlefield and the little creature yeah, comes, comes over and he's like no i'm just acting dead <laughs> <laughs> um so there were things that I felt were, you know, kind of mishmashy. Like, yeah, okay, he he re he got his first assignment from his dad, and then he took off. You know, his dad does his dad really need him? Honestly, other than he needed the necklace to help, but other than that, you know, he didn't need him. Yeah. He didn't need the dog. Like, like it just that was the part that kind of fell apart for me is like, you know, well, that's a little bit of a cultural thing too, though, as far as the whole, the family legacy and, you know, carrying on the line, of course, he's almost immortal. So maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Well, he is immortal. Like it, it even says, even in, in the, in the opening scrawl, it says that he's has these 10 mystical rings that grant him immortality and godlike power. Yeah. Well, the immortality, if as long as he's got the rings, he's, he's not going to be, he doesn't need kids sort of thing. What did you guys think about the character and costume design for it? Because for me, I always wanted to see the actual comic book looking outfit. Like I thought it was cool if he was, you know, just wearing a suit and tie for some of it, but to have, you know, the actual robe and the long hair. Yeah, I, I wanted to see the Mandarin in that, that beautiful robe. And I wanted to see Shang-Chi in the, traditional red silk garb right not, make him look like a street fighter at some point like we yeah, were just not, looking at those not, not other a, street fighter things not a ballistic interpretation of you know well, a dobok or or whatever. i would be fine if he had that costume at some point like when he joins the avengers he finally gets that okay fine 
But yeah, like, like I agree with you. Give me the proper gi outfit. Yeah, so or at like, least like Shuri, you know, comes up with a costume that's you know half t- half Stark Tech, half you know vibranium or something. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the I, uh, I feel like the the reason why they did, didn't go and embrace the the Mandarin costume was because I think they were trying to keep that the the whole uh, look as far away as possible from the the initial mandarin as possible like well the thing is is like not not a 10 foot pole not a 20 foot pole like a 3000 meter pole i understand why they would do that but i disagree with it it's so cool where you gonna say yeah well what i was saying is is so we saw him in the black three-piece suits and whatever but the fact is the actor himself it's not like it was just some white guy generic white guy wearing like a chinese robe yeah that would have been like oh god what the hell are you doing they could have dressed him in so he could like when he's at home and not being you know businessman guy out there he could be dressing in more traditional outfits i mean this guy is several thousand years old he, you know he mm-hmm. doesn't have to embrace modern modern culture every step of the way he could like maybe they could have had him when wearing it like you know in the past or something like that when he was or not uh, in the past but like when he when his kids arrived he could have been wearing more of a traditional outfit that he would have worn say 400 500 years ago when they're having dinner because yeah. he likes that, that traditional feeling like that. And again, that's a very cultural thing. Like if you, if you look at Star Trek Next Generation, they all put on the long jackets anytime it's a diplomatic function. Yeah, or like so anytime I, I've I'm, gone to India, you go to India, everyone's dressed normal in American looking clothes. But then as soon as it's a special ceremony, like all the traditional uh, dress comes out where, you know, like the proper buttoned up shirts and like embrace the culture. I, I don't know why you would keep away from it because it's a gorgeous look. It's part of the heritage. Like, embrace it, man. Like, if you're gonna do a kung fu film, embrace all those elements because it's awesome. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, don't shy away from it. That's like, I've, I've been to several Indian weddings, and I mean, the outfits are just amazing. Like, I just, I'm, yeah. I'm like, man, I, I wish I could pull off wearing some of this stuff because it just, it, it looks so amazing. But I know that you know. It's, it's not going to look right on me, so I'm not even going to try. But at the same time, I mean, it's just when you see something that is so eye-catching in so many great ways, you're like, you know, if you're going to, you know, Chinese culture is huge. Yeah. I mean, they've got thousands, you know, 5,000 years of culture. Use it. Don't just yeah. dress them in. Don't just put, throw them in a, in a Western suit. Right. I mean, it might it's be fine to do that for a few or, scenes. I'm fine yeah. with that for a little while, but... Ultimately, you have to, like, yeah. you know, go back to the cultural roots and embrace it. I did like Aquafina as the the, the comedic sidekick, who kind of like just. But I did, I oh my god, I cringed so hard when they did the the one day or two day montage where she suddenly becomes an expert archer. <laughs> I I don't care how good your teacher is. Yeah, archery is not something you can pick up in a day. Yeah, it, it's really not only like two days or even two days. I don't care how good the music is in the montage. <laughs> he picked up the the God style martial arts that they practiced in this this mystical realm in the same time that took her to figure out how to do archery. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't I don't care how good your, your auntie is at teaching you. I doubt you're going to pick it up that well that fast. Yeah, you realize we already have a hockey. Like we have a Hawkeye, we have a Taskmaster. We're gonna have a yeah. second Hawkeye. Like we don't need a fourth one. Like we're gonna, yeah. we're, gonna we're already gonna have three Hawkeyes. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah. one thing I did like with the character is they established that she was a good driver. That was yeah. fun. And that was the payoff for that. So, you know, mm-hmm. the whole, being the whole valet and then driving through the forest. It's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, and the bus. So there's, there's two massive payoffs for that driving skill. So now, she doesn't need yeah. to be an archer. Like she's already earned her keep. Exactly. Now I did like the appearance of Wong and the Abomination. I think that's going to be a beautiful setup for both the, you know, the next Strange movie and the She-Hulk miniseries. I was so Disney confused Plus. by the end of that. And, you know, because it's spoiler cast. So the fact that the two of them are cage fighting, I was like, this is so weird. But then the fact that he brings Abomination back with them and it's like they're, his training was like, what in the hell was yeah, going on there? Yeah, they're in the they're in the dresser group and he's and then they, they both take off to, and you're like, huh. That so, was so confusing to me, but and I'm sure it's going to be paid off later. But oh, I'm sure that's a, a serious setup that we're going to see the payoff. But it was kind of like they were out there to make some money. Because the thing is, is that one of the funniest thing was in uh, was it Endgame? Yeah, in no Infinity War. When they're walking, when Strange and Wong are walking down the stairs, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the deli," and he's like, "Oh, I don't. Oh, no, no, I could." And suddenly, I have some money to pay for the sandwich. So you're like, well, "Where's Wong getting his money from?" <laughs> that's no, clearly no. where. He's he's doing this this cage, cage fighting, fighting stuff, on the side. And almost like exhibition cage fighting, but they think it's real, and he's making money on the side. You know, Mystic Arts that, can't pay for a nice ham sandwich from the deli. That that fight looks so one sided. Right up until uh, you know the sling ring portal. Yeah, <laughs> and then you want to punch me? <laughs> boom, boom! There you go. There's your punch. Um, that was so good. So I did like this film in as much as. You know, we it broke some of the molds of terms of a you know he wasn't fighting his exact you know he, he wasn't Shang Chi was not fighting another martial artist as the, the the primary villain. It was the was it called the Dweller in Darkness, and the dragon took care of most of that. Um, but you know, enough. There was the whole thing with the rings fighting his dad over the rings. That was kind of like you know classic Marvel origin story stuff. Yeah. I got like three animals here trying to buy for attention. Um, <laughs> I thought that was you, Crowling Trip. You know, I wish. Well, and I, I did I'm like just the, lying there asleep. Yeah, you know, I kind of wish. I got a dog and a cat fighting for space. I did like the mid scene credits. They kind of set up nicely where it's going to go. Um, and uh, yeah, all in all, I this was a movie I enjoyed. I'm going to probably watch it again in November when it comes on Disney Plus. Um, because then it won't be as, you know, the, when I went to see it in the theater, the theater wasn't packed, but it wasn't empty by any means. Um, so I'll be able to watch it again and, and you know, be able to pause some scenes and scrub some scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. Talk about rewatching it again. Um, there's the one massive problem I had with this movie. That's the idiots in the drive-in who turn their damn lights on and drive around while you're in the middle of a movie. Like what on earth is up with that? There must have been five different people I had to go over and smash on their windows and say, dude, what the hell are you doing? You're flashing lights in my eyes. You're ruining the movie. They're like, oh, but we have to use the bathroom. Why are you driving to the bathroom? It's a drive-in, but you don't have to drive to the bathroom. Like, dude, seriously, just walk there. Yeah. Driving urinal. <laughs> it was crazy. So that was my biggest complaint. Like, what are they doing? One guy was cut like right end fight scene. Some guy comes driving through high beams on trying to find a parking spot. Why are you showing up at the end of the movie? Maybe he just was there for free guy. It's like, dude, why are you blinding us? It's like, sorry, first time I had a drive in. It's like, just turn off your lights, dude. So anyways, that was my biggest complaint about the movie. 
So that's not a bad complaint to have because say. you can watch it again at home later. Yeah, so I will enjoy watching this the second time. Um, I do wish that they brought some more of that comic book feel to it, though. So again, like embrace the comic book, embrace the costumes, embrace the powers, stick a little bit closer to the source material. I was so sure that was going to be Fin Fang Foom swimming in the water, oh, yeah, but that's... I guess it wasn't. Yeah, so, I, like, I don't know what that dragon was, but I mean, it was cool, but I thought they were going to start bringing some other elements into it. And I'm I... still sad, like I've said so many times that Iron Man wasn't in this. Were you going to say that should have been Fin Fang Foom? That should have yeah. been. I mean, yeah, like, why not? Whatever, whatever he was in the comics, they they firmly established that they're just taking whatever aspects from the comics that work best in in, in the cinematic universe. So they could have taken Finn Finn Van Foom as I know he's considered a, a, like a, a villain, you know, for for the most part. But he could have been kind of the force of nature, like the dragon was. Yeah, yeah. Now coming up after this, we have the Eternals movie. In a couple weeks, then we have oh, so close Hawkeye, to comparison. and then we have uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home at the end of the year. So we got two movies in a series for the rest of this year, and we have what if next final episode next week. We got some stuff to watch. Oh boy! Yep, there's some stuff. I'm not there that keen uh, on Eternals still. Like, what are you guys thinking on Eternals? I, I, I'm not sold on it. Still not sold. Still am not sold. I, 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 I will see it mostly because fuck it, I can go to the theaters and see it in the movie theater. Uh, but uh, honestly, I, I, I haven't really seen much in there that's really grabbed me as what you know, like what a gotcha moment for uh, so far. Well, now, when they, they, they talk about why weren't you guys like jumping in when Thanos showed up or when all the other stuff was going on and like, Oh, we were told not to, we can only hear to, to you know, take on deviants. Thanos is a fucking deviant. He's yes. an eternal deviant. Yeah. Why were you not there? And he's even tied into your whole thing, right? Yeah. This like, guy, yeah. this guy right here, he's one of the deviant race of the Eternals, you know, why weren't they there? So they better explain that better. Yeah, that's that's one of the, that's that's actually one of the big reasons why I'm going to go see it is because at least it'll it'll slot into whatever whatever part it's supposed to explain. Um, Amanda so. is 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 just like so. What the fuck? Where were these guys? You know the and the uh, the trailer gave that you know that uh, oh we're we're not allowed because the deviants. It's like that's not an excuse. Well, there's that one. <laughs> One little sequence in the trailer where they're kind of, kind of like sitting around in a big circle. And I'm like, maybe that's where they were during all this, waiting for the little power pellet to come down and jump in their throat. There's like one big circle jerk or something. <laughs> so, oh, we can't go yet. My pellet hasn't come down out of the statue. So I got to wait. My and, and that, dispenser hasn't let go. And that bit where I was like, oh, who's going to lead the Avengers now? And then what's his nuts, basically? Yeah, Kit Harrington goes, I'll do it. Huh? I'll do it. He's like, you arrogant fuck. Yeah, you're not fit to piss in the piss in the shoes of a Captain America. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you better have a movie first, dude. Or don't like don't be pulling no Captain Marvel on us. Yeah. All right. So from here, is it box office showdown? Are we going to do it without Troy? Or are we just going to hold off yet? Well, Troy would have to be the tiebreaker. Should there be a tiebreaker? Like if we all all three of us agree, then obviously 
there would be no tiebreaker. It's but a pebble two, in the water. If it's a two to one, then we have to wait for Troy's vote because he may even up the vote or he may push it firmly the other way. It sounds like sacrilege to do it without Troy, but we've put it off for what, like two months now? Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate cock tease. I'm fine yeah. with just jumping in and doing this. All right. So we have, we've been doing box office showdown for anyone who, who hasn't been listening up to this point. I'm going to try to explain it horribly. Just, just hang on. So much That's like March Madness, um, Troy went through the top, you know, 100 box office from, from box office mojo. And he grabbed all the comic book films in order of, their box office proceeds and they were regardless of where they were in the list um he one through 16 is how he, he labeled them and then you know we did a march madness of of brackets and as each bracket got resolved it got tighter and tighter and we're down to the final two and so lo and behold the first one is avengers infinity war it came out in 2018 uh let's see budget of actually box office of billion dollars that's a lot of moolah and the tagline is the avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all and attempt to defeat the powerful thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe now it's going up against its sequel avengers endgame which came out in 2019 a longer a little longer runtime but made $2.798 billion. That's billion with a B, folks. That's, that's, that's some pocket change. And the tagline, its description is, after a, the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War from the year previous, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to reverse Thanos' actions and restore balance to the universe. Whoever writes these... It's almost like they didn't watch the film because it, it, it it's a it's a B for banality. It is as generic as they possibly can get. So these are the two granddaddies. These were the basically the last two big films of Phase Three, with the exception of the Spider-Man film, which was kind of like a little epilogue. And this is what all the films had been kind of leading up to: Infinity War and Endgame. And these were one and two in terms of box office and had been leading the charge through our entire box office showdown. And fun wants- fact, way back when we went into that next round, these two got bumped up against each other because just the brackets were put in wrong. And I know both me and you, Trev, we were looking at like, this can't be like, there's no way this should be happening at this point in the competition. And then we realized, yeah, the brackets were flipped and yeah, we finally so- got this episode episode this battle that we've been waiting for this is the battle this is number one versus number two ready fight who wants to go first age before beauty that's you gaff one fuck you and two (laughs) fuck you and three i i have to go with um Wait, before you can say which one you picked, uh, come on, a little foreplay, Gavin. Yeah, come on. You, you got to, uh, yeah. Give him a little bit of a tease before you get right into it. Not that kind of tease. I'm miming jerking off while tickling balls. <laughs> Something Too Gavin much information. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, my my vote is uh, is uh, Endgame. Uh, we uh, we we basically got hit with one of the greatest cliffhangers of all time, and then uh, just we had to wait an entire year just to to see the conclusion. And for me, there were just so many moments. The the uh, what all, all I can, all I can call them is the fuck yeah moments in that movie. Just that just for, like every 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 major advancement in the plot, you know, we, uh, right to the final battle with the, with the uh, subtle on your left line, just the theater was in chaos, absolute chaos. I, I like Ant-Man going, turning into giant man, breaking out of the, 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 the ruin of the, uh, the Avengers building chaos everywhere. I don't think I'd, I've ever been that satisfied with with the conclusion of a movie in my life. It's it to me it just it outclasses uh, Infinity War, which in on of itself was a phenomenal phenomenal movie to begin with. But just because of, just because of the it was the conclusion to, to that cliffhanger, I have to go with I have to go with Endgame. Uh, for myself. Um... I'm going to start with the negatives because I think it's fun to be negative about things. Um, for Infinity War, um, Thor had the biggest negative story arc in that for me with the whole getting his new new Stormbreaker axe. Um, it, it just kept, every time it went to him, you know, to the star getting the axe forged, it was just slow I thought the jokes didn't land him getting hit by a star for no reason. Cause he's trying to hold open the gate to get it forged. I thought that was really weak. Um, but for most of the movie, I mean, they pulled off the impossible. They like, if you thought forming the adventures was an impossible movie, bring the entire Marvel cinematic universe together in one epic movie, somehow having that many characters, getting them all, screen time give them all character moments and pulling it off is an impossible feat and i thought it was really smart of the writers and i know we've mentioned this before but the idea that they realized with so many characters we have to have one central character they realize it has to be thanos so this is a thanos smash and grab heist movie and because of that, you don't need all the backstories of all the different Avengers characters. You don't need to reintroduce everybody because Thanos is the hero of the movie. Everybody else are just obstacles that he has to smash his way through until he gets to the final snap at the end of the movie. So Infinity War for me, absolutely epic. For Endgame, I think this movie has more flaws than Infinity War. I think... Again, Thor's got a lousy story arc. I thought Fat Thor was funny, but by the end of the movie, it gets kind of old. And I'm really sad that it was Fat Thor at the end fighting with Captain America and Iron Man. Like I thought maybe he'd, you know, get Milnor and zoop, zap back to normal or something so you could have all the classic characters back together again. Um, Captain Marvel. I did not like her in this movie. Like she didn't earn her right to be there. And the whole Femme Force Avengers scene 
seemed so shoehorned in that it bothered me. That said, Endgame did a whole lot of things really well. The introduction where they chop off Thanos' head in the first part of the movie, like I did not see that coming. Absolutely shocked and had no idea how they're going to keep me in the theater for three hours after the main hero's dead. But that gave us the five-year time skip. The fact Ant-Man's the one that is able to give hope to the universe. That was kind of fun. And the whole time travel aspect of it. And to me, that was so much nostalgia for the movie, like being able to go back to old movies and have all those old moments and re-experience them from different angles. So that was a whole lot of fun for me. And it's when I have to decide which movie is better. And again, all the other ones we talked about, like Captain America getting the hammer and all those, like Tony Stark finally realizing that he's willing to sacrifice himself no, he's finally gets his hand on the ultimate weapon of the universe. Um, for me, it ends up getting biblical where my decision-making comes from. And there's the Ecclesiastes um, 7-8, and it says, Endings are better than beginnings. Sticking to it is better than standing out. Don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs, and you can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. Don't always be asking, where are the good old days? Wise folks don't ask questions like that. That sums up the movie. Yeah, but... Endings are better than beginnings. I have to give it to Endgame. Well, well, well. Um, so, you know, I I'm going to start off right back off the bat saying I thoroughly enjoyed both movies. Um, I'll start with Infinity War first. Um, I liked where it started, which is right at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Um, you know, maybe a week or two has passed, or maybe even just a couple of days. We don't know. Um, how long it's taken before they, you know, because in the end credit scene, we have them, you know, they see the ship in front. So that's where the movie, you know, Infinity War starts. The fight between Hulk and Thanos, who was not using the Power Stone, and the fact that Hulk got his ass handed to him was, it was a big revelation. We lost Hamadol uh, or Heimdall, and it was, you know, and then, you know, Hamadol sent didn't send Thor to earth. He sent Hulk and would end up being Bruce Banner. We get to see, you know, that's how we're starting. It starts to steamroll of getting people together. That's where we get Dr. Strange and Wong and, you know, Tony Stark and, and we get all that together and the whole, you know, earth is closed grimace. There was some nice humor moments in there. You know, we're fighting some aliens who are trying to steal a necklace from a wizard. And the you know, Spider-Man shows up. It just there was a lot of really great moments that, you know, there was humor, there was development of character. Um, we saw, you know, uh, Vision and Wanda, you know, them together, and then the, the moment where you know Captain America shows up, a huge moment. I even watching the film now, when that scene comes up, and you know they're in edinburgh and midnight throws her staff and you know the silhouette catches it and then he steps forward and it's 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 rogers with the beard i still get goosebumps because i mean the, they just with the the visual and the the audio together it just i get goosebumps every time right at the back of my arms it's just um 
And then there's a lot of little moments, like, you know, when they, Guardians of the Galaxy find Thor and, and they talk about, well, you know, his muscles, like, you know, he's, he's, the, you're a dude, this is a man, he's a cross between an angel and a pirate. And, um, and then we see, uh, you know, them go to nowhere while, you know, Thor takes off to go with a replacement for his hammer. To me, one of the biggest shocks was when they go to Vormir and the Red Skull standing there. And I mean, in my mind, up until that point, I had written the Red Skull off as being dead after Captain America, the first Avenger. And he's there. And it was just, I remember sitting in the theater and just felt like someone gut punched me like, holy shit, Red Skull's here. Um, and I mean, that's just, one that didn't make any sense to me at first until you realized. But then when you realized he grabbed the space stone as the yes. Tesseract, it had the space stone had trans had transported him to Vormir where he couldn't, he couldn't escape because he could never gain the soul stone himself because he needed someone else to be there. Someone he cared about to make it work. And which kind of, you know, let, lends a little, you know, idea that the, the infinity stones have a sentience to them much like the Mind Stone and, and Vision and all that. Um, and then, yeah, the, the sequence where they're, they're, they're trying to forge Stormbreaker, it, it took a while. And, and it's like, you know, you got to hold this open and like you're going to feel the full power. Can't we just prop it open with some sticks? Or I mean, you got some shit lying around here, a couple of hammers, maybe a crowbar. We could totally prop this open. It would work. Anyways, that happens. Groot, you know, sacrifices an arm to become the, the handle um but it's when they you know the guardians of the galaxy meeting up with tony stark and dr strange and spider-man and we have the immortal line of you know i'll give you all that who's gamora what is gamora you know that was that was a great thing anyway, why is gamora yeah it's like where's gamora who's gamora i'll get better for you what is gamora you know it, it, it the humor really the fact that that was apparently improv too which is so yeah hilarious. I, like that it was really well done it it you know and then the fight on wakanda you know the reappearance of bucky barnes it you know and the fact that banner can't transform back into the hulk so he's wearing the hulkbuster armor and that whole fight was just i mean the, to me one of the most telling moments is when they finally decide to open the shield and they charge we finally get to see how much further along physically Black Panther and Captain America are compared to people in good shape because they left them all in the dust, like well in the dust. And the arrival of Thor again, big goosebump moment when, you know, they down comes the Bifrost and the the ax comes spinning out. And when it comes back into his hand, you're like, okay, Thor is here. Things are going to get better. And then when he runs, charges the army and jumps up and we see Thor at full power after Ragnarok, you know, he's, this is truly the God of thunder doing what he does. And he, in that first hit, if you look at the ring of aliens around him, they get knocked over and killed. He killed more in one hit than everyone else had up into that entire fight. Yeah. Great he did point. it all by himself with one hit. And I was going to stand in the background. You yeah, guys are so screwed. As I've said in other podcasts, <laughs> yeah. at that moment, Black Panther needed to scrape out his vibranium suit because up until that point, he'd never dealt with a being of that much power. Not even close. Um, and luckily he's on side. Um, and then we have, you know, the, the fight in Wakanda. 
and meanwhile Thanos had done the the fight in in up on Titan um, and thoroughly kicked everyone's ass up there and the the whole Peter Quill screwed up because he, he lost his temper that was part of the the winning strategy that Strange had anyways back on Earth we do the fight of Wakanda and along comes Thanos and rocks the world and then does what no one thought he'd do he got all the stones he rewound times after Wanda tried to sacrifice Vision, got the stone, did the snap, and people start dusting. And I remember sitting in the theater going, holy shit, he did it. He did it. And then when you see all the various heroes dust right up until with Spider-Man, and you're just like, I remember sitting in the audience and looking around, and there's not a dry eye in there. You know, people were in tears. Thanos won. All the, you know, a lot of favorite heroes gone. And the movie ends, and that's you know credits and people. You you can't end a movie like that. And I remember thinking, thank God, there's another one coming in a year because, holy shit, that's quite a you know that's like the Luke, I am your father. Um, you know that's a big big moment. And then we jump next year into Endgame, and as Mike as you said, starting the movie off with beheading Thanos, and then you're like. But I, I'm, I'm supposed to sit here for another, like, at least out two and a half hours. You, you got to give me something or I'm leaving. And then they, when they cut to black and went five years later. And the way they, they did the pauses with each of that, it was beautiful. Even the fact that the opening music, I mean, this, this was trivia of they used half the orchestra to play the opening music to represent the dusting of the, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That's awesome. So if you listen to the the opening refrain of Infinity War versus the open refrain of of Endgame, it's Endgame is so much more diminished and then I found it's because they only used half the orchestra to represent the members of the orchestra who would have been dusted. That's so brilliant. It's to be that's it's that is incredible attention to detail. This is what the Russo brothers brought to the table. Um yeah, and then we have you know Ant Man is the one who comes up with the comes out of the quantum realm and you know time moves differently there. We can do a time heist. Why don't we get the stones? And when they figured out the whole thing in 2012, three stones were within you know spitting distance of each other, and we got to see the Avengers from a different angle. That was great. We got to see when they handed off the Mind Stone or the the Tesseract, and and the whole like Hail Hydra. You know, it was just beautiful little moments in there that you know they, they, they made you crack a smile and i mean up until that point there were a couple of yeah you know fuck yeah moments like when ant-man shows up or when um god i feel like a pirate uh <laughs> um yeah it's just like moments like that and then when they finally they they get the heist they even have to go back further steve and and tony to get some pim particles and and get the Tesseract from a different time. You know, when they finally get the glove assembled and it's banners, Professor Hulk says, you know, it emits gamma radiation. It's pretty much what he was built for. And now we'd seen the devastation on Thanos of snapping what it does. And, you know, I was kind of hoping maybe Banner could, could suffer it. And, oh, no, no, no. His, his arm got, got roasted. Um, and we got to see Clint you know, facing off these dog demons because he didn't do it last time. He, he did pretty well for a guy with a sword and a bow. Um, 
yeah and then you know we got the the three original avengers thor captain america and 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 uh iron man facing off against thanos they're like well he beat the hulk hand to hand so you know these guys aren't all brute strength let's see what they do not good not good at all they they, he he rocked their world until milner came to to the cat america which again a moment when i watch it when it's on tv goosebumps the second you see it lift i start getting goosebumps for me and it hits thanos on its way by and the second he catches it it's just one of those like moments um i still say that you know in in a past podcast they missed the the opportunity to have you know cat america's star actually be a set of armor that tony had snuck on him um, it would have been nice to see him w- doing that. Anyways, you know, he even with powered up with Milner, Thanos fought Captain Rogers to a, a standstill. He he stopped him. And then you have that iconic moment, as Gavin put it, on your left, which again, goosebump moment. Like you hear on the left, and then you see the 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 the, the, the circles forming, and I just remember in the audience just like. Are they? Are they? And then you see all the all the dusted heroes come back for that giant fight. And then yeah, Ant Man is Giant Man coming up. That punch he does on one of those flying snaky things. That whole fight, with the exception of there were a couple moments that I was just like, oh, one was you know female Avengers, and the other was, did they really think Captain Marvel needed an escort to fly to the van? Um, she just destroyed Thanos's ship. With her head. By herself. Did they really think they needed to clear her road to the van? She couldn't do it herself? She could have flown backwards and just been sneezing and killing everybody. Um, I did like the whole fight with her and, and Thanos over the glove. You know, the first time he hit her, she felt it. The second time, she she took it and just kind of blinked at him. And then he plucked the power stone and hit her with a full fury of a power stone. Um and yeah, and then the redemption of Tony Stark, you know, finally willing to make that sacrifice. He is that guy. Know. And and you know, Strange is showing him the this is the one one time where we win. And you know, they they wrestle over the glove, and then Thanos is like, ha-ha. And then checks the glove. That was stones. such a great moment. It was a great moment. He lifts it up, and then like the nanotech is putting the stones into place. And then you can see the power running through his arm and, you know, up into his neck. And he realizes he doesn't have a whole lot of time, you know, as good as that glove is, it's more than a human can take. And he snaps. There we go. Um, The funeral was a little bit much to watch. Um, And again, it was something like, you know, we got his funeral, but we didn't see anything for Nat, which we caught later in Black Widow, I guess. Um, I did like the fact that Thor handed over the reins of Asgard to Valkyrie, realizing he's not a king. Well, I didn't like that part. So I, I did because it's it, with Fat Thor, it kind of showed that he wasn't ready to take responsibility in that way. He hasn't he hadn't grown up enough. In my opinion, he shouldn't be able to hold the hammer if that's the case. Uh, that would make him not worthy. So that part kind of bothered me. Well, it's I mean, worthy can be can be described in multiple ways. Like, you know, he's worthy to wield, you know, to be to have the powers of Thor, he's just not worthy to wield the powers of Odin. Mm. Um, and part of that is showing he's growing up and, and realizing that he 
he isn't fit to be king yet. To me, that that shows more maturity than saying, "Oh, you know, ready or not, I'll be king." Mm-hmm. Um, For me, that moment, I would rather he made her like the steward of New Asgard while he goes on a soul searching mission, or so, you know. I, well, but, he, um, he he didn't make her king. He just said she's the new ruler. He just okay. handed her the reins, but he didn't say you're the you're the queen. You know, don't fuck up. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll buy it then. You convinced me. Um, and I, you know, and then Rogers returns all the stones to the time streams, but then stays in the past, which would then change the future, which then makes this a deviant timeline. It, it's it all works out. Um, if I had to compare the two movies. I really, really, really like Infinity War because the fact that it kind of ends like The Empire Strikes Back on an evil one, you know, the villain succeeded sort of moment. But Endgame had more of those moments that as a moviegoer, you know, brought chills to, you know, goosebumps for, for just the culmination of, of and the payoff of all those past Marvel films. So I think my vote has to go to Endgame on this one is the better of the two films. And that's the way I got to go. So, so Endgame a, wins. Endgame wins. We have a Troy's vote so doesn't matter. Although he says he might be joining us in a little bit. So we'll see. He might yeah, be we'll listening see. live. He might already have a spoiler, but we'll see what he has to say. Yeah, he said he can join in five minutes and that was what? Uh, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> almost 20, 17 minutes ago so he's, he's, he's going to join 17 minutes ago well that's interesting I'm very interested that everybody picked Endgame I thought this would be the biggest nail biter of the I have box office showdown I've given this movie a lot of like this this particular matchup a lot of thought and I actually went back and forth uh, if you'd asked me a week ago it probably would have been Infinity War um, in fact, I went back and I watched both movies again um, just to get them, like refresh them in my head and look at them and say, all right, objectively, which is a better film? And as standalone films, both films require other Marvel films to support them. Yep. They can't stand all, like you just can't take someone who's never seen a Marvel film, plop him in front of Infinity War or Endgame and expect them to make sense out of it. Although I would still like to do that. If there's anybody in the audience who's not seen either of these movies, we would like to plop you in front of our screen and record your reaction to this. Yeah. That would be epic. Let's clarify. Any Marvel movie. Any. Yeah. If if you've seen any of the MCU at all, you're disqualified. Because there's so many hooks to all the other MCU films in both of these films that without seeing them, some of the stuff that goes on in these films doesn't make sense. Or maybe it would. I'd be curious. I still think the movies would hold up. I think it would be bonkers. I I bet you'd be confused. If it was two people, a guy and a girl going into it, the girl would be saying, what on earth is going on the whole movie? And the guy would say, no, no, it's cool. Just And the guy would just be going, fuck yeah, things explode. Um, But yeah, I just, I feel that neither movie could stand on their own with no backstory. Because they don't they don't origin anything because they just they jump right into it. They're like, you know, jump in, put the seatbelt on. The, my foot's already on the floor to accelerate and I'm tapping it from neutral to drive. For sure. You know. If you were watching Endgame, okay, imagine you've seen no Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Yeah. If you just and jump you're going to sit Endgame. down for one, 
and the one movie was Endgame, you wouldn't know what the hell is going oh, on. Oh, you you well, you'd, you'd probably pick up about sixty percent of what's going on, and you'd just be along for the ride. Infinity War, you'd probably pick up seventy percent. I and think then just you can handle, but again, essentially, this is one movie. If you really get yeah. down to it, Infinity War Endgame is a beginning and an end of one movie. So either way, okay, this yeah. one four-hour movie won the entire box office showdown. Well, five hours. It's, it's I mean, five add, hours, whatever it is. If you add them up, so you got 149 plus 181. Quick math, someone. 149 plus 181. It is way too late for math at this point. Gavin's oh, got no, toast. He's there's, counting. There's... Kitty cat's going to it out. That's 330 minutes. That's uh, what? Five and a half hours. There you go. So five and a half hours of film, of one film. Right. So it's just one epic movie, essentially, because it is a very clear cliffhanger. And I know they said, because it was supposed to be way back when they started this, it was like part one and part two. And then they said, oh, no, 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 it's two movies. I understand why they did that. But like, if you look at the narrative, essentially it's one giant yeah, it's, story it's one continuous narrative throughout the whole yeah five and a half hours would i watch a five and a half hour movie in the theater not without a let's go out to the yeah lobby. there definitely needs to be let's an intermission go. about halfway so yeah, i don't as long as gavin's my... saying so i could relieve myself and get more popcorn i totally would do that yeah because at that point i my my bladder has has shredded itself and and i'm, I'm slowly dying um yeah, it's and it was funny when I was watching these films at home. I I would pause and like you know go do other things and come back to them. And I remember thinking, yeah, I remember these being long in the theater. I remember at one point in the theater going, oh, can we get through the funeral already? Because I think I'm about to die myself. And one thing is like the same way you were saying, Trevor, is looking back at these movies. Hey, we have a newcomer to the podcast. Um, when I was looking at them, I think there's less wrong with Infinity War. Like, objectively yeah. speaking. Well, there's, you know, there's less, less wrong things in Infinity War, but there's not as many big moments. In right. It's, it's like if it's a roller coaster. Hello, Troy. Welcome to your podcast. Hi, guys. Troy. But if it's a roller coaster, like if you have enough of those high moments, like it doesn't matter if you, there's a little bumps along the way because the mm-hmm. ride is so epic that you know the little low moments don't really matter because everything else is such a rush. Yeah. So when it comes down to these two big epic movies, there's not much that can't be added to what it's already been said. I mean, it's impossible to at this point after the umpteenth week that we've been doing this uh these movies have been coming up on their own going up against other movies and of course crushing them they exactly they've been defeating every single thing it it's not to say that the other movies that they gone up against haven't been good it's just that the caliber of these two in particular movies has been the culmination of what the Russos have been building on since they started with the MCU. And it is a spectacular finale to this 23 epic movie saga. 
Now, it was going to be the most difficult decision is trying to figure out which of these two movies is the better of the two movies. Now, because my fellow companions on this journey have already gone through this whole entire list of why one is better than the other, what one has over the other, um, which is exactly, it's, it's hard to tell. And these of any two movies, you would not be, you would not feel that if you were to sit down and watch both of them as a complete five and a half hour, five, almost six hour movie, you would sit through that and not feel like you'd sit through a quarter of a day watching one single movie. See, Troy we, got the math right without even using a calculator. I know. <laughs> Where were <laughs> we five fingers. minutes ago? <laughs> um, so the first movie basically set you up on everything that you've gotten prior to. I mean, everyone is brought into the movie. Everyone is given their equal due. Um, all the characters, all the actors, no one is set as the star of this movie. Uh, the star of this movie is the MCU. It's just... It's an epic way to have done this. Um, other movies have your anything that goes on be beyond like five. You have one or two characters that if they've lasted through all of them have become your, I, your main character. There's nothing about it. And then you have secondary characters and tertiary characters and all that. What the Russos have succeeded in doing here is giving us a complete movie that in includes everything that we have gotten up to this point. Um, and you can tell because the way the characters interact with each other, the way the actors interact with each other, the look of the film, the feel of the films are just spectacular and epic. Now, I'm going to have to refer back to my uh, my thoughts on how I've come to this point of choosing these particular movies. And I will say the better of the two is the one that I had the more of an emotional connection to the one that hit me the hardest, the one that gave me the more feels. Um, and not that both movies didn't give me feels. There was stuff that happened in one that didn't happen in the other and vice versa. There was, stuff that I wasn't expecting in, in one and stuff that I wasn't expecting in the, the other. And again, both these movies are as equal as equal could be in this competition that we've been running over the, again, the past, however many months we've been working on this, uh, this decision. Now, have you guys actually just stated what you are actually talking about and not chosen an actual winner yet, or are you waiting until everything is said? We've and done? each made our picks. We're just You've waiting each on yours. Made your picks. So I have not heard what this is. And um, I'm going to say, coming into this at the last minute, not being able to hear what you guys have, not being able to be swayed, which I think is actually probably the best way to uh, be doing this decision. And because I'm going to have. Gavin's cat is pretty convincing. <laughs> Yes, in his evil lair of gamedom, too. 
But uh, what I'm going to say is that, like I've, like I've pointed out before, it's the Star Wars Empire thing all over again with me. And it's the one that has the most connection with me. And the one that I went away with, with the most impact is Infinity War. And the reason I say Infinity War is because Infinity War hit me on such an emotional point. There was so much that was put into there. There was so much that was there was sacrifice. There was there was uh, character development. There was humor. There was loss. There was like from the get go, we lose one of my personal favorite characters in the MCU, and from what we've seen past then. It was permanent. Loki dying at the very beginning of the movie is a huge impact. Losing the Hulk is a huge impact. Um, having ask what's left of the Asgardians wiped out is huge. Um, and then to have to have like see Banner struggle for the whole entire movie with his inner demon with uh, and the fact that the Hulk refuses to show up because the Hulk was defeated. That was another huge thing. Start off the movie like that. And then when you end off the movie with so much devastation of loss and destruction and like having um, Vision and Scarlet Witch, that separation is devastating. Uh, Probably, I'm going to say everyone who's watched this movie, their biggest thing was Tom Holland's final lines of as he is ashed away and all that is another thing that no one expected that and the delivery of his line. So that being said, um, at the end of Infinity War, I needed to, I wanted to, I needed to have an ending. I needed to see what was happening in Endgame. I needed to find out what was the next step. Um, and Endgame has the same sort of thing. It has all the emotional thing. It has all the loss. It has all the the reintroduction of the characters, the, the joy of when everything comes back, the devastation when you do end up losing main characters. But when it came to the end, that was it. That was an end. And a spectacular end. It was a spectacular end. And of course, yes, there are questions. What's going to happen next and all that sort of thing. But you can end there. You can stop there. And it was good. And it was great. And you can sit back and like, if that was the final MCU movie, you'd be like, yeah, that was good. I like that. That wasn't bad. Now, obviously, you know, it's going to continue on because Disney and Marvel needs to make money. And this is the only way they can do it. Um, but there was a nice satisfying at the end. You're like, yeah, that was really good. I could really use a cigarette now sort of thing, right? But here's a towel. Clean up after yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, I, Gavin. And again, Had to go there again. Yeah. And again, um, it was Gavin, a spectacular Gavin. feat. It was a spectacular feat. And Endgame is a wonderful movie. But I'm going to have to go back on, like I said, on my emotional core, because again, both movies are so close to each other. I'm going to have to go to the one that had the most emotional connection with me. 
and why and how I felt the most emotional roller coaster of and that I enjoyed because there are movies out there that has an emotional roller coaster that are crappy as all crap but I'm gonna have to say that like I said Infinity War is my choice for winning And I take it by the silent nods that everyone else also picked Infinity War. It was three to one. Uh, three to three one. one. Really? We took Endgame. You all took Endgame. Wow. You should listen to the podcast. We have some great I, you reasons. You know what? I think, I'm, I think I might actually do that. No, that is that is fantastic. I'm 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 actually thrilled that we actually had this sort of result. Yeah, I, I was I hoping it wouldn't uh, be a clean sweep. Nice. I took the same tact as you there. Uh, I, I considered the emotional impact for me, mm-hmm. and for me, the the uh, the the end of it, especially with everything coming back, everything everything starting to write itself, and like just the fact that the theater itself was just oh yeah in absolute chaos every single time something something happened. Yeah, for me, that's on your left. That emotional moment for yeah. me. Falcons on it. your left. Uh, Freaking Steve Rogers. With Milner, friggin' oh. Steve Rogers with the Assemble, Avengers Assemble, Steve Rogers with the, oh, wait a sec. It's all Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers That's the Jonathan. thing. A lot of it is centered around one character. That's the thing. A lot of, like, Thor you had know, given Iron up. Man and, doing the snap and... I, I know, exactly, but it is his... It, it, we knew from the get-go that it had to end with Tony Stark. It started with Tony Stark, it ended with Tony Stark going into that movie you knew it had to end with tony stark um so i would see that's something i was prepared for how they pulled it off that was a little different i mean it was just definitely a misty sort of ice sequence and all that that is for sure but uh, for me that's the thing is because infinity war was such a great movie such a great cliffhanger the second movie could easily ruin that if they didn't land it, right? Like you're doing the flips off the diving board. It's like, you better yeah. land this. If you don't oh, yeah. land this, yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it's going to be an absolute And they disaster. did it without a splash. They, they yeah. Perfect, perfect entry. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. And again, I'll totally back you guys up on that. Yes, Endgame is a spectacular wrap up to not only the two movies, but a whole entire saga of films and that is a very rare thing to do that is an Im- mm-hmm. practically an impossible thing to do and we'll I'm see so where glad they- that for this one it wasn't a clean sweep as far as the votes because again yeah. it's such a close battle it's such a close yeah cage match fight between this big box office showdown and the two biggest movies ever except the, i don't know did the other did avatar end up no, Avatar it. ended up Avatar. Yeah. Up, they re-released they, Avatar. Marvel in China. will re-release and we'll they'll get some money back. Yeah. They'll still end up on top. It's somehow. all Disney. But anyway, it's all Disney. It's all, Disney, all Disney these days. It's like yeah. now no, the ultimate battle between these two movies that are two parts of the same movie. Like that's the thing that gets mm-hmm. me with this because you're basically saying, did you like the beginning of the movie better or the end of the movie better? Yeah. And it's like we can all agree it was just a great story. It was a great five and a half hours. Is that what you said, Troy? Trevor, whoever uh, did the math, yeah, five and something half. like that. Yeah. Three, three, yeah. 330 minutes. Yeah. It's like one of the most epic experiences in yeah. cinematic history with those two movies combined. But because of the way this played out, we have to pick one or the other. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I picked Star Wars. You guys picked Empire Strikes Back. Now, I did yesterday see Venom 2. 
All right. We're saving so, this for the end. We could save this for the end. I could do spoilers. I could not do spoilers. It's all up to you guys. The question okay. is, should we see Venom 2? If I bought cheap tickets, would I be angry? If Amanda paid for them, you'd be good. Okay, now that we've established that, let's hear your review. Okay, Trevor. but well, let's 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 go into this. Let's go into this. Also, this is at a time when it's not easy still to get into a theater to see a movie. You're still restrictions I mean, and whatnot. Territory. It's still pretty easy here. I mean, it's easier. Yeah. You guys, it's tougher. Yeah. Is it worth the effort? I'm going to say no. It's not worth the effort. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I mean, so I, let's if hear you're... full review. Yes, spoilers away. Uh, unless oh, I don't know, Gavin, Troy, go for it. Spoilers uh, away. You know what? I you know what? I I do not care. I'll probably watch it eventually when I could get my hands on a copy of it or something like that. But I yeah, I mean, if it's spoiled, if, if at some it point you get a chance to see it, then yeah, see it. Curiosity's it's... sake alone, I want to see it, whether it's a good or a bad movie. I still want to see how yeah. they pull it off. Now, I will say, Tom Hardy, um, does a great job. Great job. Um, it he does a great job with the material he has. Now he was a producer on the film, so he um, had more in it. A little bit time. more say, and and yeah. I think he was part of the. He also worked on the story, which I think was part of the problem. <laughs> um, my now the the story is basically it's all about Cletus Cassidy, and gets the symbiote or his copy of the symbiote and becomes Carnage. Mayhem ensues. Venom defeats Carnage. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. However, oh God, the howevers. Um, I love the now, howevers. This is going to be great. Now, anytime that we howevers. saw Woody Harrelson, he chewed through scenery. Like he... You could tell he was having fun playing it. You know, it was like going back to natural born killers for him, being a, a sociopath. He could have fun with this. And he was. He was having fun with it. The problem I had was when you compare Venom to Carnage in the comic books, Cletus Cassidy and Carnage were a closer symbiotic relationship. They were almost a full, perfect fusion into a single being. It wasn't until Carnage had babies and Cletus started referring to Carnage as she. Up until that point, unlike Venom, where he would, you know, when Venom was saying something, he's like, we need to do this. We need to do that. Carnage was, I need. Because it was a single entity is how they regarded themselves. It was a single entity, not, you know, Eddie Brock and Venom as a we it was Cletus and Carnage as an eye. And one of the big plot points of the movie is that, look, they're arguing. They're not as integrated as you guys are. And it's like, that's, it, it was just like, no, that's exactly the opposite. Right. Um, so that was the part that was just like, I was sitting in the theater. And I was like, what? That's, 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 that's the opposite of what's going on. Anyways, so there was things like that, and there's a, a sequence where, you know, they like Venom and Eddie kind of have like a lover's spat, and and Eddie ejects Venom, and Venom leaves, and is jumping from person to person, and kind of like killing each person as he jumps into them, 
has a little bit of time and then dies and goes on to the next one. Um, at this point, this is when Cletus escapes his death row sentence, his, his uh, execution, because the carnage symbiote allows him to do his thing. Uh, we find out about Cletus's soulmate, who is uh, Shriek, this mutant girl with sonic powers, which is like the worst possible girlfriend a symbiote could have. Yep. Um, Obviously, they have... didn't read Fantastic Four. Exactly. Maybe it had like like Johnny Human Torch and and Shriek mixed together, and that would have been even a worse girlfriend. Anyways, um, now is she actually like actually referred to as a mutant? Um, she is listed as um, a variant human. Okay, so they don't actually use... they, they don't call her a mutant. Okay, but they they definitely say she has um, extraordinary abilities, sonic projection. Okay. So, so she ends up going to Ravenholm, which is this place where they're studying yeah. people with powers. Um, and although I guess there's a precedent then for the Shriek character, I'm just looking this up on Wikipedia now. Oh yeah, I, no, she she familiar, yeah, but she was with yeah yeah Cletus Ernest. yeah yeah there yeah. is a relationship there is a yeah, there's there's, there's a whole sequence where yeah. when Venom and Eddie Brock is interviewing Cletus for the first time, they walk by his cell. And Venom's like, look at this, look at this, look in the cell. It's almost like Venom's being the investigative reporter. And later on, he goes to show that, you know, this is, judging from the imagery they were able to pull out, they, they're able to figure out where Cletus has buried a bunch of bodies. So Eddie Brock is successful. He goes from having this, this shitty-ass bike and then he gets a brand new Ducati and gets this really nice OLED TV in his apartment. And this is where kind of this the Sony breakdown. Sony of course, right? Yeah, but the, the breakdown between the two of them happens because Venom's like, you would be nothing without me. You're a loser. And, you know, Eddie's like, well, I'm going to be a loser. I'm going to be a loser on my own. And he hits this, has like a panic button that causes like a loud shrieking noise. And that's what causes the two to split. And when Venom leaves, he destroys the Ducati, um, which is kind of a fun moment. Um, but yeah, the, the movie was just big, big, big old CGI fight between the pair of them. Um, as expected. Now there was the nice sequence when, you know, Venom shows up at the at the, the cathedral and he's all venomed out and Carnage snaps onto his and Venom retreats inside to Eddie and says, It's a red one. Let's leave. It's a red one. That was about one of the few points of humor. I mean, they did have some nice banter back and forth, but the CGI fight was A went on too long and B, like all of these stupid movies, resolve with Killing the villain. Venom ate the Carnage symbiote. And it was oh, like, well, huh. wait. Oh, yeah. Reabsorbed okay. it somehow. And yeah. What did it taste like? He said it didn't taste good. But I'm picturing like only, red like race. Now, the movie got its part of its rating because Circus demanded to be able to keep one F bomb. Because they're, you know, Venom's got a hold of Cassidy and they're saying, you know, he's done bad things. But maybe, you know, it's not their point. And then Venom's like, you know what? Fuck this guy. And then just bites Cletus's head off. Um, and that was the only F-bomb in the old movie. Hmm. So we lost Cassidy and we lost the Carnage symbiote, you know, all within a minute of each other. And it was just like, well, um, okay. We just took one of the bigger Venom villains and flushed it down the toilet. 
so after they separate, they come back together, right? They come Eddie back together because, Venom. well, the, the the girlfriend, the fiance from the first movie, uh, what's her right. face, Michelle Williams, basically yeah. goes and finds um, Venom and says, "You have to go because you know Cletus and Carnage are coming to hunt down Eddie." And you're the only thing. And she basically does this whole seduction thing on him to, you know, you're the only one. You're the lethal protector. And they they bring up the lethal protector quite a few times. Um, catchphrase. Catchphrase, indeed. The best. But what part you're of really whole... saying it's because Tom Hardy really wants to keep in this role until he can fight Spider-Man. End of oh. the film. We go to the uh mid credit scene now there's whole initially at the start of the film venom wants to feel the, the wind in his hair and the sand beneath his between his toes that's a weird so thing cuts to a beach say, but okay and there's tom hardy kind of sitting there and it pans down his legs and it turns into like venom legs and they're on a beach and he's got the sand beneath his toes yeah symbiote pulls up around and he's like well you don't have any hair for the wind to go through and he's like i'm willing to compromise so they have this nice moment and then they're somewhere in Mexico um, because they're watching like, you know, a, some sort of Mexican drama on TV. And um, and they're in those like shitty hotel in the middle of the night. And Venom says to, to Eddie, you know, there's so much that and, and he, Eddie says something effective. Why didn't you tell me about the, the symbiotes? And Venom says there's so much that, you know, so much information that we symbiotes have. We've been, you know. We've spanned the galaxy. There's so much. If I gave you even a tiny taste of what I know, it would burst your head like a balloon. And he's like, well, hit me with it. Let's see what you can do. And just as he starts to do it, there's like a flash. And the room changes. And now they're in an upscale resort. Nice, comfy bed. The TV is now a flat screen. So this little shitty box. And there's a news report. J. Jonah Jameson saying the real identity of spider-man is peter parker and venom licks the screen when he sees parker and says he looks delicious that's weird now, now i've taken and things because and things that they even like even says to venom what did you do and venom's like that wasn't me i did nothing so this is either the snap of getting people back or this is the spell from you know, multiverse of madness ripped Venom from his reality to the MCU reality. Oh boy. So this kind of also coincides with a couple months back, Tom Hardy was seen wearing the Spider-Man No Way yeah, Out. No way. No way. No way home. Home, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, baseball cap for a while. Right, right. He might be in the movie. In some sort of cameo, Maybe. that'd be cool and, if he's in the movie. I don't mind that, but it's a weird way to set it up. Well, it's it's just it's just basically he got ripped through the multiverse into the MCU, but they did it with it was like almost like a, like a nuclear explosion out through the window, like it was incredibly bright light, and it just kind of swept over them. And when the, the you know when the flare kind of died down, that's you notice the room was different. The time of day was different. Um, everything was different. Like, like it was like a whole different environment. And then this guy comes out of the bathroom. He's like, what the hell are you doing in my room? So, yeah. Oh, so this was this was the post-credit scene? This was the post-credit scene. Okay. Gotcha. Uh -huh. Okay. 
Hmm. Yes. So it's, it was really kind of like the only interesting part. But because, I, I mean, after the lackluster CGI fight, um, it was just like, okay, how are they going to end this? So what, what we're saying is from that suggestion is that the next Spider-Man movie is going to have Venom in it. Well, no, what this is saying is that Venom is now in the MCU in the same universe as Peter Parker. As Tom Holland, Peter Tom Parker. Holland's Peter Parker. Right. Because, because it was the exact same news broadcast that was played at the end of the last Spider-Man film with J. Jonah right. Jameson. Right. It's, I mean, they use the exact same clip. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just, I just can't, can't quite piece together how they're going to, how they can do the Spider-Man or the, the Venom without Spider-Man and then bring Venom into Spider-Man's world without having any of that previous, you know, uh, formerly Spider-Man's costume thing. It just, I mean, this is like having Gargamel without the Smurfs. Yeah, but he looks delicious, Gavin. Yeah, he you looks forgot delicious. about I must that get part. My hands on those Smurf berries. Yeah, it's like, how but do without you know the Smurfs, Smurfs they're, they're just berries. Way? I think this is all part of. There's well, been the they've Smurf been trying berry. to get they're trying to assemble the Sinister Six. No, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. And yeah. This is how they're going to do it. And they're putting Venom as one of the Sinister Six. I mean, we've okay. got. So we know we have we know we have Vulture, we know we have Doc Ock, we know we have Green Goblin, we know we have Scorpion, we know we have Electro, and Did so Venom Sandman is going to be. No, we didn't. I don't think we have I've a Sandman. Sandman's in well, isn't the Rhino supposed to be? Oh, one really? Of Hayden Church is actually. I thought I, I didn't heard see something. anything. I, I we can Google it. I haven't yeah, done sure my research. Can. Yeah. I've done terrible research this episode, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I heard Sandman's in it. Okay. Either that or it's a dream. It might be a dream. It's late, folks. But if isn't there I'm gonna like Google. A, you guys keep talking. Wasn't wasn't there a rumor that also they're gonna be introducing um what's his face? Craven as well? And I guess Craven's not really a sinister six. No, I mean, things, the sinister, uh, he has been at some point. The sinister six has had several different members, more than six true, members. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lizard. Lizard is in this new movie. So there's your sixth member of the Sinister Six. Yeah, it's I think, yeah. Yeah, because it's 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 Garfield's Lizard, right? It's Garfield's Lizard, it's Garfield's mm-hmm. Electro, it's Toby's, Toby's Green Goblin, uh, Green Toby's Goblin, Toby's uh, Doc Ock and Sandman, and then it's Holland's vulture and scorpion yeah man that's gonna be a friggin' big movie it is it is the uh, spider-men are going to be rather outclassed i think quite possibly unless uh venom is is, is sort of playing the anti-hero that uh, in his movie universe that he that he seems to be playing so maybe maybe we're gonna have the good ish venom yeah, we don't. Yeah, know. I could see. Well, yeah. is remember in this film, in this sequence, Venom is the lethal protector. That's the right. They even again, right. Both of them have said it several times during the course of the movie that they're they, they are the the city's lethal protector, but they're on the hunt. They're they're being hunted by the city because right. you know there's some deaths associated with them. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. A quick Google search says that fans think there will be Sandman because there's sandstorms that appear throughout the trailer. Sandstorms, and there's something about a green and black shirt in one of the. Yeah. The, but. Okay, now what about this? So if Venom's the lethal protector, Spider-Man's mm-hmm. going up against the Sinister Six. What if Spider-Man gets Venom at the end of this movie? He gets the black costume. That would be kind of interesting. It'd be all topsy-turvy from the comic books. But well, yeah, Venom shows that, up and then somehow Spider-Man gets... That would lend itself very well to the uh, to the hate that Eddie Brock has has for Peter Parker. If he managed to convince the Venom, Venom, Venom symbiote to come to him... Brock's probably got a hate on like a mile long for this. Like, That's you, or good. you took my partner. And or then the when... symbiote, the symbiote voluntarily leaves to go to Parker. And then when Parker basically uses whatever psionics, you know, has Reed Richards help him remove this because that's what happened in the comics. It was Reed Richards that figured it out. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so could be any of that. That could be really cool. That's a way to take the story that's been so messed up the cinematic universe and make it work we have yeah. ideas kevin feige talk to us at geeking off the page we have ideas for you yeah well we can figure it out for you we can make it work and we charge time a check. nominal consultation fee time very check nominal that. time check that information time check that information make sure we jot that down yeah i mean we totally fix it for you yeah no that would that would, that would work perfectly it would. It would. it's good would. also would be kind of cool because if we do have Garfield and uh, Toby showing up, Toby will know what Venom is. Like, Toby yeah. will definitely recognize Venom. Not to mention that it's a, a his variant, I guess, wouldn't be of uh, Eddie Brock yeah. this time around. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is actually starting to sound pretty good. But this is no way this is going to be one movie, though. There's no way this can be satisfactory, uh, one movie without it being four hours long. Like, we don't know how long it's going to be yet. Have they announced no. the they announced the runtime yet? Uh, not that I'm aware. I haven't seen anything. But again, we still don't even know. Like the trailer is probably the first twenty minutes of the movie, and that's it. Either way, like, I'm going to watch go it. anywhere after that. What? Either yeah, way, yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch this movie. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, they still haven't announced a, a runtime yet. <laughs> they haven't said it's going to be a two-parter yet. I mean, this is Sony. It's like they could be milking this. Um, let's see. Uh, for the future, so as of August 2019, the fourth film in the franchise has been in development alongside of No Way Home. However, in February 2021, Holland said that while No Way Home is his final film under contract up with Marvel Sony, he hoped to continue playing Spider-Man in the future if asked. Um, that in July, Zendaya said she was unsure if another Spider-Man film would be made. So, but you can't trust actors because right now they're being told to lie through their teeth as to not give away spoilers. So, uh, and bump up those contracts. So, exactly. I, I don't know if you guys have been uh, like keep tabs on on like things on Reddit, like uh, uh, like ask me anything. Uh, Topher Grace actually just had a uh, an ask me anything on Reddit. And one of the questions from one of the one of the redditors was, "Are you in No Way Home?" So his response was one of the greatest things I've, I've ever seen. So, so he starts off, "Please keep it between us," but yes, I am in it. He says, 
The plot starts with Peter Parker, Tom Holland, bummed that everyone knows his identity, and then some crazy shit happens with Doctor Strange and Doctor Octopus comes into his dimension. Then Electro and the Green Goblin hop into out of one of those energy circles, and they're like, it's spider stomping time. Then Tom Hardy and I pop out and battle each other, and I win, obviously, but it's not even a fight. I just kick his ass immediately. Not to give him too much away, but there are also some actors from the original 70s Spider-Man show, Aquaman and Batman, Affleck, <laughs> not Keaton, crossover, and thanks to Disney, Han Solo's Ghost from Rise of Skywalker, and that Eve robot from Wally. Again, please keep it between us. <laughs> think Kevin Feige wrote that for him? <laughs> The fact that Aquaman's coming out. Uh, well, given the fact that um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Andrew Garfield, when when asked about actual footage of him on set uh, at when Far From Home, he he, admit, he said, "Oh, that's just Photoshop." Yep, Photoshop of video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like deep fakes are pretty good nowadays, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, a little. I'm pretty sure good. you can't fake that that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although that's a great answer, though. You no, that was fantastic. That, that is hilarious. Yeah, that was. That I was know. I'm certainly not in it, and you can't prove it. But we <laughs> exactly. have video footage. No, that's not me. That's just Photoshop. Yeah. Oh, just just keep this between us. Is, I'm, I'm looking at Topher Grace's filmography. It's not like he's been sitting around on his thumbs. Um, oh no, he's he's quite the versatile actor too. Yeah, he's been, he's he's been just... Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, Irresistible. He's as a TV series, Home Economics. He's working on. I, I don't know if he could have fit in the time to. Well, see, that's the thing too with a huge movie like this. Like it's the way that they could easily do like a friggin' the voiceovers from What If with the party Thor episode. Hey, we're all together filming the movie. Let's do some recording on one day and then that's it, right? Bring him in for two or three days and you're done. I mean, the rest is all going to be CG and whatnot. And hell, most of the sets in what we were just talking about, well, friggin' uh, Endgame and, and uh, uh, sorry, I'd said them backwards, Infinity War and Endgame, a lot of them are green screen sequences and people wearing dots all over their bodies and all that so yeah so then on let there be carnage i i was just very unsatisfied with how they handled carnage um yeah i just i yeah it totally sounds like it it looked it from the trip and again we're let down by freaking trailer city i mean it looked like oh this looks promising it looks looks great yeah, but it's just when they went to just a, a cheesy cgi fight it was basically almost a complete redo of the first Venom uh, movie oh fight and it was just like yeah character with the same power set here we go again yeah round two now with more pointy things yeah basically. i just can't see this character without spider-man like it doesn't work We've talked about this many yeah. times in previous podcasts, but it sounds like just more of the same. Yeah, but we'll continue to talk about it because it's they're not going to let it down. Time for so, a collective goodbye? Yeah, I believe we're going to do the countdown to a collective goodbye. And on three, one, two, three. Collective goodbye. You've just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist 
and allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to PlanetGeekPod at gmail.com. Buy the guys a coffee by going to Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash PlanetGeekPod. And know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening. Vegavita, what is it? Vegavita Veg- vitamin. Vegavita vitamin, yes, yes, yes. Vegavita vitamin, it's a Lucille Ball thing. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have that. It's kind of cool because she does a commercial. She does a live commercial read, but it's a uh, cough medicine that has alcohol in it. So every single time she's, <laughs> so she's constantly, and she's taking full spoonfuls. So by the fourth time she's doing this live commercial, she's trashed and Lucille Ball playing drunk is <laughs> wonderful piece of comedic genius. Cause you know what? Lucille Ball is comedic genius. No more animals. <laughs> I have to say that every day. We almost got hermit crabs. You almost got hermit crabs. Yeah. Wow. Every time we go to Myrtle Beach, you know you can you know you can mm-hmm. get protection and that'll stop that from happening. Did you see about the? <laughs> I just got a really really fine. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for laughing so hard at that that your face is about to explode red. That was a good one. <laughs> I have a puppy. Wow, he, he kind of looks like the General Ross Hulk right now. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um. And that's the end of the podcast. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed. (laughs) Collective goodbye.